This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Is the virtue of humility irrelevant in our current moral landscape? Keep listening to learn more about Richard Foster's new book, Learning Humility, A Year of Searching for a Vanishing Virtue. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Your word is truth, your word is Presented by Innervar City Press. Your word is truth, your word is the Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemini Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading. Jeremiah chapter 8 through chapter 9, verse 16. Chapter 8. The Lord says, When that time comes, the bones of the kings of Judah and its leaders, the bones of the priests and prophets, and all the other people who lived in Jerusalem, will be dug up from their graves. They will be spread out and exposed to the sun, the moon, and the stars. These are things they adored and served, things to which they paid allegiance, from which they sought guidance and worship. The bones of these people will never be regathered and reburied. They will be like manure, used to fertilize the ground. However, I will leave some of these wicked people alive and banish them to other places. But wherever these people who survive may go, they will wish they had died rather than lived, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Willful disregard of God will lead to destruction. The Lord said to me, tell them, the Lord says, do people not get back up when they fall down? Do they not turn around when they go the wrong way? Why then do these people of Jerusalem continually turn away from me in apostasy? They hold fast to their deception. They refuse to turn back to me. I have listened to them very carefully, but they do not speak honestly. None of them regrets the evil he has done. None of them says, I have done wrong. All of them persist in their own wayward course like a horse charging recklessly into battle. Even the stork knows when it is time to move on. The turtle dove, swallow, and crane recognize the normal times for their migration, but my people pay no attention to what I, the Lord, require of them. How can you say we are wise? We have the law of the Lord. The truth is, those who teach it have used their writings to make it say what it does not really mean. Your wise men will be put to shame. They will be dumbfounded and be brought to judgment. Since they have rejected the Lord's message, what wisdom do they really have? So I will give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. For from the least important to the most important of them, all of them are greedy for dishonest gain. 
prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They offer only superficial help for the hurt my people have suffered. They say everything will be all right, but everything is not all right. Are they ashamed because they have done such disgusting things? No, they are not at all ashamed. They do not even know how to blush. So they will die just like others have died. They will be brought to ruin when I punish them, says the Lord. I will take away their harvest, says the Lord. There will be no grapes on their vines. There will be no figs on their fig trees. Even the leaves on their trees will wither. The crops that I gave them will be taken away. Jeremiah laments over the coming destruction. The people say, why are we just sitting here? Let us gather together inside the fortified cities. Let us at least die there fighting. Since the Lord our God has condemned us to die, he has condemned us to drink the poison waters of judgment because we have sinned against him. We hope for good fortune, but nothing good has come of it. We hope for a time of relief, but instead we experience terror. The snorting of the enemy's horses is already being heard in the city of Dan. The sound of the neighing of their stallions causes the whole land to tremble with fear. They are coming to destroy the land and everything in it. They are coming to destroy the cities and everyone who lives in them. The Lord says, Yes, indeed, I am sending an enemy against you that will be like poisonous snakes that cannot be charmed away, and they will inflict fatal wounds on you. Then I said, There is no cure for my grief. I am sick at heart. I hear my dear people crying out throughout the length and breadth of the land. They are crying, Is the Lord no longer in Zion? Is her divine king no longer here? The Lord answers, Why then do they provoke me to anger with their images? with their worthless foreign idols. They cry, harvest time has come and gone, and the summer is over, and still we have not been delivered. My heart is crushed because my dear people are being crushed. I go about crying and grieving. I am overwhelmed with dismay. There is still medicinal ointment available in Gilead. There is still a physician there. Why then have my people not been restored to health? Chapter 9 I wish that my head were a well full of water, and my eyes were a fountain full of tears. If they were, I could cry day and night for those of my dear people who have been killed. I wish I had a lodging place in the wilderness where I could spend some time like a weary traveler. Then I would desert my people and walk away from them because they are all unfaithful to God, a congregation of people that has been disloyal to him. The Lord laments that he has no choice but to judge them. The Lord says, These people are like soldiers who have readied their bows. Their tongues are always ready to shoot out lies. They have become powerful in the land, but they have not done so by honest means. Indeed, they do one evil thing after another and do not pay attention to me. Everyone must be on his guard around his friends. He must not even trust any of his relatives. For every one of them will find some way to cheat him, and all his friends will tell lies about him. One friend deceives another, and no one tells the truth. These people have trained themselves to tell lies. They do wrong and are unable to repent. They do one act of violence after another, and one deceitful thing after another. They refuse to pay attention to me, says the Lord. Therefore the Lord of heaven's army says, I will now purify them in the fires of affliction and test them. The wickedness of my dear people has left me no choice. What else can I do? Their tongues are like deadly arrows. They are always telling lies. Friendly words for their neighbors come from their mouths, but their minds are thinking of ways to trap them. I will certainly punish them for doing such things, says the Lord. I will certainly bring retribution on such a nation as this. The coming destruction calls for mourning. I said, 
I will weep and mourn for the grasslands on the mountains. I will sing a mournful song for the pastures in the wilderness. Because they are so scorched, no one travels through them. The sound of livestock is no longer heard there. Even the birds in the sky and the wild animals in the fields have fled and are gone. The Lord says, I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins. Jackals will make their home there. I will destroy the towns of Judah so that no one will be able to live in them. I said, Who is wise enough to understand why this has happened? Who has a word from the Lord that can explain it? Why does the land lie in ruins? Why is it as scorched as a desert through which no one travels? The Lord answered, This has happened because these people have rejected my laws that I gave them. They have not obeyed me or followed those laws. Instead, they have followed the stubborn inclinations of their own hearts. They have paid allegiance to the gods called Baal, as their fathers taught them to do. So then, listen to what I, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, say. I will make these people eat the bitter food of suffering and drink the poison water of judgment. I will scatter them among nations that neither they nor their ancestors have known anything about. I will send people chasing after them with swords until I have destroyed them. Jeremiah chapter 36, verses 27 through 32. Baruch and Jeremiah write another scroll. The Lord's message came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the scroll with the words Baruch had written down at Jeremiah's dictation. Get another scroll and write on it everything that was written on the original scroll that King Jehoiakim of Judah burned. Tell King Jehoiakim of Judah, the Lord says, You burned the scroll. You asked Jeremiah, How dare you write in this scroll that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and wipe out all the people and animals on it? So the Lord says concerning King Jehoiakim of Judah, None of his line will occupy the throne of David. His dead body will be thrown out to be exposed to scorching heat by day and frost by night. I will punish him and his descendants and the officials who serve him for the wicked things they have done. I will bring on them the citizens of Jerusalem and the people of Judah, all the disaster that I told them about and that they ignored. Then Jeremiah got another scroll and gave it to the scribe Baruch son of Neriah. As Jeremiah dictated, Baruch wrote on this scroll everything that had been on the scroll that King Jehoiakim of Judah burned in the fire. They also added on this scroll several other messages of the same kind. Psalm 16, A Prayer of David Protect me, O God, for I have taken shelter in you. I say to the Lord, You are the Lord, my only source of well-being. As for God's chosen people who are in the land and the leading officials I admired so much, their troubles multiply. They desire other gods. I will not pour out drink offerings of blood to their gods, nor will I make vows in the name of their gods. Lord, you give me stability and prosperity. You make my future secure. It is as if I had been given fertile fields or received a beautiful tract of land. I will praise the Lord who guides me. Yes, during the night I reflect and learn. I constantly trust in the Lord because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So my heart rejoices and I am happy. My life is safe. You will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful follower to see the pit. You lead me in the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. Psalm 132, a song of ascents. 
O Lord, for David's sake, remember all his strenuous effort and how he made a vow to the Lord and swore an oath to the powerful one of Jacob. He said, I will not enter my own home or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a fine dwelling place for the powerful one of Jacob. Look, we heard about it in Ephrathah. We found it in the territory of Jair. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship before his footstool. Ascend, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. May your priests be clothed with integrity. May your loyal followers shout for joy. For the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your chosen king. The Lord made a reliable promise to David. He will not go back on his word. He said, I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the rules I teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. Certainly the Lord has chosen Zion. He decided to make it his home. He said, this will be my resting place forever. I will live here for I have chosen it. I will abundantly supply what she needs. I will give her poor all the food they need. I will protect her priest and her godly people will shout exuberantly. There I will make David strong. I have determined that my chosen king's dynasty will continue. I will humiliate his enemies and his crown will shine. Testament reading, Acts chapter 2, verse 14, through chapter 3, verse 11. Peter's address on the day of Pentecost. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them, You men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, know this and listen carefully to what I say. In spite of what you think, these men are not drunk, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be. God says that I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy and I will perform wonders in the sky above and miraculous signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be changed to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes, and then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man clearly attested to you by God with powerful deeds, wonders, and miraculous signs that God performed among you through him, just as you yourselves know, this man who was handed over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you executed by nailing him to a cross at the hands of Gentiles. But God raised him up, having released him from the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held in its power. For David says about him, I saw the Lord always in front of me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My body also will live in hope, because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor permit your Holy One to experience decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of joy with your presence. Brothers, I can speak confidently to you about our forefather David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So then, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, David, by foreseeing this, spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his body experience decay. This Jesus God raised up. We are all witnesses to it. So then, 
exalted to the right hand of God, and having received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know beyond a doubt that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The Response to Peter's Address Now when they heard this, they were acutely distressed and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, What should we do, brothers? Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added. The Fellowship of the Early Believers They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone, as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Chapter 3 Peter and John heal a lame man at the temple. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time for prayer, at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man lame from birth was being carried up, who was placed at the temple gate called the Beautiful Gate, every day so he could beg for money from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple courts, he asked them for money. Peter looked directly at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. So the lame man paid attention to them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, stand up and walk. Then Peter took hold of him by the right hand and raised him up. And at once the man's feet and ankles were made strong. He jumped up, stood, and began walking around. And he entered the temple courts with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the man who used to sit and ask for donations at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with astonishment and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter addresses the crowd. While the man was hanging on to Peter and John, all the people, completely astounded, ran together to them in the covered walkway called Solomon's Portico. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this opportunity to get in your word. Thank you for these reminders of your call to us that even comes to us now by the power of of the Spirit. This call that reaches out to us even now to repent. We thank you, O God, for the grace and mercy in hearing this call to turn to you and to turn away from self-righteousness, from injustice, from self-idolatry, and from idolatry of other things, O God. We thank you because it is through love 
and for love's sake, that you call us out of the muck and mire of sin, sins within us and sins around us, that you call us forth into repentance. We thank you, O God, that you are indeed trustworthy and that you are worthy of our loyalty and our fidelity and our obedience to your word. I am astonished by your compassion and your patience. And God, you indeed are long-suffering towards your people. You have given us a law to obey, a law of love, a law of justice to follow. And yet we turn away from it. Yet we mock it. Yet we remix it and rework it. We take your holy word and we attempt to map our words on top of it. God, we find ourselves tempted to listen to leaders or to become leaders who manipulate your word as if we can give you help, as if we can advise you about the purity and holiness of your word, your ways, and your will. And so, oh God, when you respond in correction, we are often left shocked. We are often left surprised, but we should not be, for you have given us your word, a word that we often reject and walk away from. And so, God, right now we confess. We confess that we have not honored your word. We confess that we have not kept your word. We confess that we have at times been tempted to and have acted on manipulating your word, ignoring your word, skipping over your word, oh God, skipping verses, chapters, oh God, skipping books, oh God, skipping things that we are uncomfortable with, that we are embarrassed by, that we are ashamed of, that we may not understand, oh God. And instead of reaching out to you in humility, saying, oh God, grant us obedience as you grant us understanding, we turn away from your word, your ethics, and your will. And we do this, oh God, to our own dismay and disaster. So God, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness today. Help us to love your word, to hunger after it, to run after your word, to sit with it, to meditate on it both day and both night. And God, we ask that you would grant us the spirit and the faith, O Lord, to understand your word and to apply it to our hearts. We thank you, O God, for the perfect life of obedience that the Lord Jesus Christ lived on our behalf. There's no way that we could have done it. <laughs> There's no way that we could have fulfilled it in our own strength. So we are thankful, O God, for the impartation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ into our lives. We thank you, O God, that because of what Jesus Christ has done, we now desire to obey you. And we thank you for the power of the Spirit that gives us the desire and the strength and the understanding to obey you because your ways are higher than our ways and your ways are better than our ways, oh God. Sometimes we don't realize that in the moment, but your ways are better than our ways. And so we thank you, oh God, for your promises to your people to make us a church without spot or wrinkle that you are indeed returning for, a church that is headed by the one who walked perfectly in obedience to you, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we entrust our whole sanctification to you. We don't have to live in shame or embarrassment, oh God. We can confess, we can repent, we can turn to you, we can cry out to you, O God, and say, we believe, but help our unbelief. And we thank you that you have promised to keep us because we are your people. You have set your love on us, not because we are perfect and that we can keep it all together, but because you have promised to love us. And what you say is so. What you have commanded is yes and amen. And the love that you have for us runs deep. It runs beyond our own failings, our own temptation. Your mercy is more. Your grace is enough. And God, we give you thanks and praise today as we confess the ways in which we have sinned against you. We are confessing this to a loving God whose hands are outreached to us right now, beckoning us home. 
Let us never be fearful to the point that we do not confess to you. And instead, let us always be open in hands and heart to receive the grace that you are pouring out to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace. And let us now, because we have been people who have forgiven much, forgive others, O God. Help us to live as forgiving and compassionate and generous and gracious people. Let that transformation be obvious, obvious to us and our own conscience that accuses us, obvious to our neighbors, to our family, and even to our enemies, that we are the redeemed of the Lord and that we have been changed from the inside out and that we are being changed that we are being sanctified and one day glorified soon. We thank you, O God, for your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And we thank you for your word today. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. Not only is humility vanishing from contemporary culture, but we're also witnessing how destructive a lack of humility has become among our churches and ministry leaders. And yet, author Richard Foster insists that humility is central to the journey towards spiritual transformation. For this reason, he decided to spend a year studying the virtue of humility. Using the Lakota calendar as a framework, learning humility provides us with a look into the insights Foster gathered from sources ranging from Native American culture to Julian of Norwich to scripture to personal friends. Learning humility offers profound insight into what humility can look like in our current cultural climate. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivypress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag get in the word and hashtag Truth's Table. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.